0: Hey everybody, I'm Casey Scott And I'm Dr. Matt Woolley We are the hosts of Project Recovery And we'd love to tell you about a new podcast It's called Stranger Becomes Neighbor It's been two years since the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan More than 80,000 people desperate to flee Taliban rule Made it to America But the story didn't end there Now these evacuees live beside us, trying to make ends meet, and their future remains
1: uncertain. What will happen for our newest neighbors, and what can one person do to help a stranger?
0: The show host journalist Andrea Smartin spent two years following new arrivals and those who try to help them. As she uncovers these relationships, this podcast reveals the hidden ways we are connected. You're about to hear a clip from the first episode of Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Follow it now on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode.
1: Baran is not her real name. She asked that we use a pseudonym to protect her family. Back in the 90s, the Taliban beat up her father and broke his back because he was training women to work in the medical field. The family fled to Iran for several years. But 15-year-old Baran was born after American forces and allies occupied Afghanistan and ousted the Taliban from power. Her family decided it was safe.
2: Now it's a good place. Afghanistan is good for living. We come back to our country.
1: She wanted to be a doctor like her father. She had every reason to believe she could achieve her goal. And she was in a hurry. Baran finished high school two years early, at the age of 15. But she never got to attend her graduation ceremony or take the exam to get into medical school. By August 2021, all of her plans evaporated. Taliban fighters marching through the streets dressed in all white the color of the taliban's flag and a symbol they're ready for martyrdom suddenly the focus was on escape and survival the americans were withdrawing from afghanistan and baran found herself at the kabul airport one of many afghans desperate for a way out this is what crowds have to face to get inside for five days they waited on the street outside the airport Baran, her parents, her 31-year-old sister, her two older brothers, their wives and kids.
2: All Afghanistan came to the airport to enter to the gate. Uh, and it was very crowded. Everybody lost each other.
1: American troops worry if they open the gates, people will flood in. And then the gates opened. As they pressed forward, Baran's sister was carrying her four-year-old niece, their brother's daughter, and they were knocked to the ground. They managed to get up before they were crushed. They made it through the gates. But when Baran looked around, several family members were not there.
2: And when we entered the gate, we lost our parents.
1: One of their brothers and his wife, the niece's parents, didn't make it either. But the authorities pushed them forward. They couldn't wait and there was no going back. They flew to Qatar, hoping the rest of the family would follow. They ended up at a makeshift military camp in New Jersey where they spent several weeks. There, Baran turned 16 years old. One morning at 5 a.m., Baran, her sister and niece, woke up in the dark, skipping breakfast to get on an airplane, having no idea that they had two stopovers, and would be traveling all day and into the night. The four-year-old begged to eat the food she saw in the airport restaurants, but the only money they had was Afghani. By the time they arrived at their final destination in Salt Lake City, there was a snowstorm.
2: The first night that we came to Utah, it was a very horrible situation.
1: It was 1 a.m. A caseworker from a resettlement agency drove them through streets covered in snow and brought them to an apartment close to downtown.
2: When he opened the door and when he entered the house, it was very cold, there was no power, no heat. And this apartment was dark, completely dark.
1: Standing in the dark room, she couldn't find the words to communicate with the caseworker.
2: Even I couldn't talk with our caseworker that how we can turn on the heat, how we can turn on the lights. Even we don't have the phone to call him that come here.
1: They asked the caseworker to come back the next day. He said he would be back in a week and then he left.
2: My niece, she started crying and she said that I don't want to be in
1: here. And then they were all crying. There was a chair with a box of household items, toiletries and laundry soap stacked in the middle of the living room and some food in the kitchen left by the agency. Their niece was hungry. They'd been traveling all day without a meal. Without power, they couldn't cook. So they gave her a glass of milk and some bread. As women alone, they didn't feel safe. The lock wasn't working, so they pushed a table against the door. Before they left Afghanistan, they had never spent a night without their family. They were all alone in a strange land.
2: And my sister said, so what should we do? We want to go back to the airport and I want to sit there. At least there's a kind of people, there's a population. If we live in here with this kind of situation, I want to come back to Afghanistan. If there is a Taliban, it's okay. Just, I want to go back.
1: What will happen for Baran and her family? That will depend on people like you and me. The global forces and political choices that created this situation are beyond our individual control. But how we respond will test who we are and how we define community. On this podcast, we're going to follow people after the evacuation is over and they've arrived at their destination. Who will emerge to help these new neighbors? And what does it mean to be part of a community? In August, 2021, while Baran was waiting on the streets of Kabul for the gates to open at the airport, halfway across the world, a woman sits on a sofa in her air conditioned home in a suburb of Salt Lake City watching it unfold on the news. She sees people trying to scale the walls covered in barbed wire. Marines confirm the baby handed to them over a wall is now safe at the airport, reunited with family. Families crushed in the crowds and separated. Azim shared video of his wife at a Taliban checkpoint where he says she was tear-gassed and beaten. But people says- crowding around a massive U.S. Air Force transport plane as it starts down the runway some even managing to hold on to the wings as it lifts. Then bodies fall from the sky. For most of us, it's impossible to fathom how someone could be that desperate to escape. But she's seen this story before. In fact, she's lived it.
0: What I saw in the news, it's kind of triggered my memory.
1: Her name is Nazifa. She asked that we not use her last name. To this day, she's nervous about exposing her family. More than two decades ago, before the U.S. occupation, she also fled Afghanistan. Her family, part of a persecuted minority and a target of the Taliban.
0: We escaped, uh, maybe not like through evacuation flights, but we went through the same route, you know, leave our home with nothing.
1: It's a time in her life she prefers not to think about. But when the US withdrew and Afghanistan fell back into the hands of the Taliban, it all came flooding back. She remembered the day her father never came home.
0: We couldn't find his body. We were waiting when Taliban was coming on our door, looking for us.
1: Nazifa, the oldest of six children, was 12 years old when her family crossed the border illegally into Pakistan. She remembered what it was like to be on the run her family living in one room with one blanket among them how she worked in a refugee hospital and her younger siblings worked as carpet weavers just to keep the family alive sitting on a big cushy chair in her living room she lets herself go back to that time
0: I didn't go to school or anything so I just worked to survive
1: this is making you emotional What yeah. what, what is it bringing up for you
0: All of the hard work, you know, it's like the life that I have lived. (laughs) I'm grateful for the experience. I think uh, that is what made me really strong. And that was, you know, why we work so hard in here. (laughs) So I want to be really independent, educated, and I never want to live for survival.
1: Today, you could say Nazifa has achieved the American dream. She works as a risk analyst in the financial industry, a job that allowed her to buy a home in a nice neighborhood at the base of a mountain canyon. How she got there is another story that we'll get to in the next episode. Suffice it to say, she didn't do it alone. Right now, there are new arrivals from Afghanistan who need help. More help than the resettlement agencies can provide so she and others are stepping up to volunteer. Thanks for listening to this clip of episode one of Stranger Becomes Neighbor, out now from KSL Podcasts. Find our show on kslpodcasts.com. You can follow us now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, so you don't miss an episode.